Hello, everyone. It's David Wernch. Thanks again for joining me once again. This is the Authentic Dad Podcast. Today we have Jerry Givens. Jerry is a breath worker, a yoga instructor, a coach, an IFS practitioner, and an all-around awesome guy. We have a great conversation about breath work and IFS and coaching and even some Alanis Morissette in there. Thanks for joining me. Please consider giving us a five-star review. If you want to reach out, I do the 30-minute free discovery call at further.coach. That's F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach. Hope everybody is well, and we will see you on the other side. Right, I got here. He's a yoga and meditation educator, a life coach, and author living in Northern California. He's the founder of Jerry Givens Yoga and Wellness, providing corporate wellness services globally. Two companies like Uber, Microsoft, TaskRabbit, and Pfizer. He's taught yoga and meditation since 2008 and completed his advanced yoga teacher certification in 2014. In 2019, he completed internal family systems therapy level one training IFS program and now uses it in his life coaching practice. He's also the author of the popular book, Essential Pranayama. Did I pronounce that right? Um, Breathing Techniques for Balance, Healing, and Peace. You can find out more about him and his work at jerrygivens.net. Follow him on Instagram at Yogi Jer. What's up? Thanks for coming. Hello. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I was very excited. I wrote, as you know, we I want to do an IFS episode, and I'm so glad I found you and we connected. Uh, but there's so much more. This is quite a quite a bio, and I also saw that you you write novels and books. So as as always, I got to hear the the journey of how how this happened, if you may. So take it away. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a journey uh, for all of that. It's it's funny because I assumed as I was growing up, and I mean growing up being in my 20s, that all of these things that I do would have nothing in common. Like I'd be a fantasy novelist over here, I'd be a yoga teacher over here, and I'd have some corporate job over here. And what's happened is they've all clashed together over the years, which is great because I don't have to spread myself so thin. But wow. So yeah, I want to hear about that. You integrated a fantasy novelist with corporate training. Exactly. And yeah, and it's, it's actually all culminating into the book that I'm writing right now, which I'll get to in a little bit. I have another one on the way. Uh, Yeah. I was in, I was in college back in probably 2006, I think it was taking a holistic wellness class. That was just a general education requirement at my um, Midwestern, college, Western Michigan University, go Broncos. Mm -hmm. And this woman came in to teach a lecture on yoga. She was a guest speaker. Her name is Karina Mursky. And I was just taken by it. The way she presented yoga wasn't really about the down dogs and the sun salutations that we typically think about. It was about yoga being a philosophy to achieve happiness. And me as a stressed out, freaked out, non-regulated emotional person, at 20 years old, I'm like, that sounds like it's the thing for me, which is crazy. Cause I actually hate working out. Like I, even to this day, it's like, do not put me in a gym. <laughs> and I'm like, but I'll go to this yoga class. And she gave a free, free coupon for it. And I went and I was hooked. Like literally from that first class, I did not miss a class every week for like six years. And she was a teacher. Um, she was the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. She was the teacher. And over time, you know, I just, I just kept going from once a week to twice a week at a certain point, 
she asked me if I wanted to be her demonstrator in the room, her assistant, because it was a big class. There were like 40 people in there. And I'm like, sure, I'll be, I'll be that. And I would now get the class for free and um, I'd help clean up afterwards to help compensate that as well. And something bizarre happened maybe three years in where she couldn't find a sub for the class when she was out of town. And she just turned to me one day and she's like, Jerry, would you like to teach this class? Wow. I've never, like, I had never considered teaching yoga, like even that far in, I loved it. Um, I, I probably had some insecurities about it. And I was, I was in school for communication. I was, I was in school. I, my minor was in French. Like I had no designs on being a yoga teacher at all. But I said yes, and I sat down with her, and we worked out a sequence so that I knew what I was doing, and I fell in love with it. Mm. And so I, I became her regular sub. Uh, a couple of years down the line, she wanted to titrate her public offerings down. I took over her a couple of her classes, which ended up being the classes that I originally started in, too, back in the day. So it was a full circle moment. Yeah, she saw something in you, clearly. Yeah, I, it was a passion. I was a seeker. Um, I think I, looking back now, I can see it more clearly. But at the time, it's like I was looking for something to believe in. I was looking for something to guide me. I was looking for yeah. a, really a a worldview that I could feel attached to. Because at that point, I would, had been, just been exposed to Christianity. Right. Um, and that didn't work for me so much. Yeah. You know, I liked some parts of it, but there was... There's a lot of parts of it that just did not work for me personally. And yoga just gave me a lot more tools um, spiritually and just as a philosophy. It's like the first first uh, rule is is, is nonviolence. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I could I like that. That always always sat with me. Like I always loved the teachings of Gandhi and Martin Luther King around nonviolence. And I just got really curious. And so I did her yoga teacher training shortly after that. Um, became one of the most popular teachers in the town that I lived in mm. over the, the couple of years. Um, all while still like working a corporate job. I was in hospitality at the time. And in my 20s, just to kind of make the story no, chronological, yeah. mm. uh, I fell in love with writing as well. I, I joke that I figured out in my senior year of my undergrad that I wanted to be a writer. And it was too late to like chuck everything and start over. <laughs> And so I started writing novels. The first one was just to prove it to myself that I could. I loved Greek mythology. And I wrote a book about Atlantis, a fantasy, complete fantasy novel about time travel. It was really fun. Um, I told myself I would never do it again. I've done it three more times since then. So <laughs> because I just see so four. Yeah, I saw on your website you have actually four published fantasy, fantasy. novels in okay. addition to breath work. That's uh, pretty yeah. impressive, my friend. Yeah. The first three are a, tr are a series, mm -hmm. a trilogy, if you will. Um, there's a short story called Seven Devils, which is one of my favorite stories that I've ever written. There's a novel that's unpublished that I've been kind of just editing lightly for the last couple of years that I'll eventually put out. And then Essential Pranayama came out back in 2020, right after the pandemic started, which is perfect timing for people to need a tool to help regulate. Um, unfortunate timing because I was planning on doing more of a book tour situation with it, but when, I'm so happy it's out there for folks. When did the training for I, I, the yoga sounds like came first? But when did you become like the breathwork guy? Because what what part of that between the yoga and the fantasy writing? Because that's a whole yeah. other thing. 
it's a whole other thing. And it's also very much yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, pranayama is breath work from the yogic perspective. And of course, there are other systems of breath work out there. But if you look at classical yoga, mm-hmm. so yoga from the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, there are eight limbs to a certain path for yoga. It's called the, the Ashtanga path or the royal path. And the fourth limb is pranayama. So there are the yamas and niyamas, which are like the yeses and nos, kind of like like nonviolence is in there, non-stealing, uh, regulating your your urges, uh, other things like that, discipline, etc. Um, and then there is asana, which is the third one, which is what people typically consider to be yoga when you look at a magazine. It's the poses, right. it's the postures, um, and then the fourth limb is pranayama, the breath work, which is the regulation of uh, a prana, which is energy or sometimes called chi in other systems, but it is that life force. It's like learning to control that. I just think it's so cool. Because, um, you're just sitting in college class and this, in walks this woman and it basically changed your life at kind of right the, the right moment, right? College is the time, hopefully we're always seeking, but particularly in that time. And it just sort of hits you and impacts you that time. And you know, I hope all of our lives, it's very magical. And she just, mm-hmm. and you're still in touch with her. She's your mentor and um, so yeah. on and so forth. And, she, and I don't know her personally, but because I met you, I was telling you, I stumbled upon her Instagram and I was like, she seems like a very prominent, awesome, you know, elite teacher, like a very she's a huge fabulous. voice, a huge presence. So that's so cool. And you're, um, that one thing led to the next, led to the next and, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I call that my sliding doors moment yeah. because like, if I had just skipped that class, it was a general education requirement. I still would have passed it. Had I not gone that day, yeah. my entire life would have been different. And she is, we, we still connect. We had a meeting just yesterday. We run a coaching training together called yoga mindset coaching. Um, I help her with a lot of her programming because mm-hmm. I am good with tech stuff. So I do a lot of video editing. Um, and we're also just good friends. We become family over the last 16 years, um, which is crazy. It's been 16 years. It is right. Game. Cause some people move in and out of stuff. You might, uh, you know, you, this bright, shiny thing, yoga, but you, you taught the class, you were hooked and you were mm-hmm. still doing it. Still doing it before we get into, cause I'm really curious. IFS, we, which we haven't talked about. Yeah. I don't know a lot about breath work. What, like, what would you say to someone who, just give us kind of like, you know, a little taste of, of some, why is it important? What could, what, what could we learn from practicing it? Maybe give us a little practice. Um, cause you wrote, I, I know very little and I'm very interested. I mean, in bre- it's breathing, you know, it's so it's breathing. important. <laughs> Feels like we've been doing it all our lives. But right? I read it. I did read something recently. It wasn't about pranayama, but about how we're just, we're breathing wrong and how just correcting yeah. it and having a habit can kind of transform your health and your life. So I'm curious about that. Yeah. And so I'll tell you why just breathing as we are right now can be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with the regulation of your nervous system. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are constantly dysregulated because we're stressed out. Yeah. You know, our, to, to use uh, science terms, uh, our sympathetic nervous system, our fight or flight response, for many of us in the world, is kicked in constantly. And when that happens, we adopt shallow breathing patterns. We tend to breathe clavicularly, so like up into the upper lobes of the lungs, which doesn't have a lot of space. And 
often. Like changing my posture seen, as you're speaking. Like, <laughs> yeah, sit up, sit up. <laughs> Shoulders back. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. And, exactly, exactly. And often, and I've seen this in myself as well, I'm not immune to this by any means, people stop breathing altogether. Mm. You know, especially with when we're hyper focusing. So hyper focusing is a stress response usually, unless you're doing it through like a more meditative way. But like when we're staring at a computer screen and typing or trying to figure something out, like we slow our breath down so much that like sometimes it just stops altogether, mm -hmm. which can create so many problems over time because it becomes a habit. And so, you know, one thing off the top of my head I can think of not saying one thing could lead to another. I'm not a doctor, but what I've seen is that, you know, it stresses out your heart. Yeah. Well, sleep apnea yes. when you sleep you know. apnea enlarged heart can happen because the, the, the muscle of the heart has to work so hard to get the little bit of oxygen you're giving mm -hmm. it around the system. And really what we want to create a balance between, you know, the release of carbon dioxide and the intake of oxygen. Um, over time. So that's kind of the science end of it. Now, breath work can also help you to regulate your nervous system. And of course, over time helps to regulate the stress response. And a lot of these, you know, symptoms of stress and the, the poor breathing patterns, those can be corrected through practice. And it's through the nose, correct? Some, some of them. Are some they not? Them. Are some so of them through the mouth? Some of them are through the mm -hmm. mouth. Typically, Typically pranayama is done through the nose, mm -hmm. but there are some practices for very good reasons can be done through the mouth. One thing in particular is that some people can't breathe through the nose mm. very well. And that could be to, due to many right. things. There's um, deviated septums. Yeah. There is allergies. You can have a cold today. Um, but there are also some pranayama that are specifically done through the mouth. Like um, there's one called shikari. And it's, you have your teeth, like your mouth open, your teeth clenched mm -hmm. or tight together. And you like sip in through the teeth and it's a cooling practice. Uh -huh. Do you yeah. have a daily practice, like a routine that you go through or just only when trying to de-stress or something? A bit of both, mm -hmm. a bit of both. I can't say I have one that I do every day on the regular. I probably quote unquote should, <laughs> but I, because I, I'm always teaching this stuff. Mm -hmm. I usually do some sort of pranayama practice every day. I teach for corporations as, as you mentioned, um, and I teach regular yoga classes where I'm doing pranayama with the students as well. But I always, I can't say always, I am typically aware of how I am breathing. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm working like on editing a video or writing a book or working with a client, you know, my coaching clients, and I start to notice myself, like I'm not breathing as deeply, I'll bring back in like a deep belly breath or an expansive breath. I love, something simple. I love that when you say, take a deep breath, you're actually mean it. You're not being condescending. You know how people are like, exactly. take a deep <laughs> breath, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's funny that we have that you know, um, vernacular. Yeah. It's like, take a deep breath and calm down. So it's like, we already culturally know that this stuff works. <laughs> we just don't right. do it. And people have adopted that to be like, you know, take a breath. Let's take a breath. Um, mm -hmm. stay calm and carry on. Or gosh, I saw these signs at the courthouse during COVID stay calm and wash your hands as if that's going to do anything. Um, it's like, what about the reasons why we should yeah. stay calm, you know? <laughs> so so yeah. give, could you give like, give me like, what's like the most basic, like if someone's listening, they're like, you know, I should probably be calming my nervous system, soothing myself. 
maybe being more conscious of my breathing, what would be like the most basic thing? Yeah. The most basic thing we could do, we can do it really quickly. Mm -hmm. I can lead you through it. (laughs) All right. And so I I would ask the listeners to sit comfortably. You don't have to sit tall. You don't have to be in a stark meditative state Mm -hmm. and either close your eyes if that's comfortable or just lower your gaze. So you're not really looking at anything in particular. I've never done this on a podcast, but I'm going to do it. We'll get there together. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So while you're there, I want you to just notice the feeling of your breath at the opening of your nostrils. Mm. It's like a light flutter on the top of the upper lip. Mm -hmm. And then notice the feeling of your breath in the nasal passages. And it's often cooler on inhale and warmer on exhale. You're not forcing the breath here. You're just aware of it in its natural state. And then there's the feeling of your breath at the back of your throat. And then be aware of the feeling of your lungs filling with breath on inhale and emptying of breath on exhale. And then we'll link these awarenesses together in a sequence called the natural breath or sometimes called the journey of the breath. So as you start your inhale, notice the sensation of the opening of the nostrils Then the breath moves through the nasal passages past the throat as the lungs inflate. And as you exhale, the lungs deflate, the breath moves past the throat through the nasal passages and out again. And then inhale, opening of the nostrils, nasal passages, throat, lungs, and exhale, lungs, throat, nasal passages, and the opening. It's like the breath is passing through each checkpoint as you move in and as you move out. And you're not forcing the breath here. You're just aware of the breath. And then when you feel a little bit calmer or more present, you could either move on to a more complex pranayama practice or you can bring yourself on back. It doesn't take too long. When is your app coming out? <laughs> that was good. Thank you very much yeah. for that. Now you have the voice. And yeah, what I notice about a lot of these, well, this is a breath practice, but there's also this, you have to sort of be exquisitely um, aware of even feeling the, the, the fluttering of the air through the nostrils and we, you know, I don't, doing our daily life, that is not something I'd pay attention to. So it is very valuable if you could even do that probably for 30 seconds. So I appreciate those practices. I try to kind of accumulate them as I go along yeah. with people because I think they're very helpful. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And this is, this I was, is interesting yeah. it was born with a nervous system that needs regulation, you know, it was sort of fried. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. Been a struggle. The- yeah, understandably and this is why that that practice i just gave you is the first one in my book mm, okay. because we're not trying to change the breath we're not trying to do anything crazy we're just being aware of it i find people that i'm working with who are new to breath work or yoga or meditation 
may have never actually sat down and watched their breath before. Mm-hmm. And so this really asks you to like, be aware of the opening, be aware of the nasal passages, the throat, the lungs, like be aware of the function of you breathing, the physiological functioning. And from then you could move on to more complex practices if you want to, but even that alone. Do you ever get pushback? Let's say someone in the corporate world who isn't comfortable with these um, wellness practices or breath work or doesn't see the value to ever get that or, or everyone's pretty, pretty down. People that I work with tend to be pretty down. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, so I live in California oh, in the Bay go. area. Mm-hmm. So there is a general openness to wellness, but I also think that the culture across the country and the world is changing when it comes to this stuff. There is scientific evidence that's being shown daily. There are so many meditation and breathwork apps out there yeah. that show that this stuff works. Like, I don't think it's a contention anymore Good that breathwork can be, can help the nervous system, especially with the burnout rate and the stress rate going on in corporate America right now. When the pandemic started, my corporate business boomed. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to take away from the fact that people were dying and that people were very sick and that people were disenfranchised by it. But me already established in the corporate wellness world, I was hearing from clients that I haven't heard from in years. And so there probably are people who are critical or mm-hmm. uninterested and they just don't come. Yeah. Now I'm thinking yeah. back to my college days. I'm not that much older than you, but even we, there's yoga and stuff, but even then it wasn't, it definitely wasn't as mainstream and it was still like a little bit weird for people. So it's great that this has yeah. entered into the culture with, with yeah. a vengeance. Yeah. It was, it, I'm trying to just sort of think back. It, they had it meditation, this and that, but it definitely, there was not a yoga studio on every corner in the early two thousands, <laughs> late nineties, early not 2000s. at all. Yeah. Not at all. And um, for people who would be naysayers or, or you know, hel- even hel- in a healthy way, skeptical of these, these practices, um, I'd just ask them to give it a try. Yeah. And if there is a specific reason why they're being skeptical, to do some research. You know, like, yes, there are the esoteric aspects to pranayama. Mm-hmm. You know, it does come from a spiritual system. But even with that said there is irrefutable scientific proof of regulation of the nervous system by, to our earlier point, taking deep breaths or breathing to your belly or, you know, even just the breath awareness that we did a few moments ago, you notice almost instantly your system start to shift. I I do feel calmer, really do. And I I do think for some people, even just the, not the breathing, just the slowing down is challenging. You know, like, I don't want to do this. This feels uncomfortable. Like, I don't even want to close my eyes. I got shit to do, you know? So Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're booming. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And I can see how you're a very effective teacher, very skilled. Um, I do want to talk about IFS, internal family systems, which I, I didn't think I heard about till, I don't know, five years ago. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, that is so impactful for me. I mean, it's kind of like my operating system. And when I'm, when I'm kind of walking around in the world, I'm like, Oh, that's just a part, you know, just notice that who's driving the bus. And I almost, cause I'm very visual and I can kind of, um, kind of visualize all of my different parts kind of blending and unblending and seeing who's active and people, for people who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, 
IFS internal family systems. Could you explain it like in a basic way? Totally, totally. So internal family systems is a model of psychotherapy that looks at your mind as a series of sub-personalities that we call parts. And at first people are usually get a little freaked out by this. They're like, do I have multiple personality disorder or what's now is called dissociative identity disorder, DID? Um, am I being schizophrenic? Am I um, splitting the system? And the answer is no. The idea of multiplicity of personality for a singular person is not new. We even use it in our common vernacular. A part of me wants to do this. A part of me wants to do that. A part of me is angry. You know, confusion in general. Like, I want to do two things at once. I have to decide what do I yeah. do. And so there are these parts of us, and they take on different roles. Like, there's you know, a manager part that manages your life. There might be subsets of that manager, like a schedule manager, a family manager, a relationship manager. Um, there are parts of us that come up to quell discomfort or trauma or pain. We call these firefighters right. or relief givers or relief seekers. And these are parts of us that might uh, push us toward behaviors that soothe us yeah. even, sometimes even to a toxic point. Um, but you know, it's like, I've had a hard day at work. This part of me really wants me to watch Netflix. So I calm down, you know, yeah. or just or, or the extreme firefighter. I always think about is like a addiction. Yes. Men, much, many addiction, addicted behaviors come from these firefighter, uh, tendencies within us when these, these parts of us are in their extreme. Mm -hmm. And sometimes either learned behaviors, like if you are the, you know, child of an alcoholic, it's likely you learn that that's how you regulate your system. Sure. And so when things start to get intense, that you're going to go toward that. Um, as I mentioned before, the firefighters are trying to quell pain, which are the other parts, the exiles that hold that pain. If you've been traumatized in your past, and that could be big trauma and it could be small trauma, you, they hold painful experiences, they hold painful beliefs, and those are hard to deal with. And so yeah. One thing I, I see with some of my clients sometimes is that when they have a really uncomfortable circumstance in the past, that they'll do things to not feel it. Yeah. And so those quiet moments that you mentioned earlier, where people don't want to sit still and watch their breath, it's usually because they're uncomfortable right. because maybe anxiety comes up or they're reminded of something when they get quiet. Right. And so they'll do things to distract themselves. Yeah. Like sending the email is a, is a protectiveness method. I don't have to think about my breath or slow down. So this, oh, like having to be productive all the time, it was, um, I yeah. would say is a, a protector. No, exactly. Exactly. Parts can protect the system for sure. And it's good to remember as I'm talking about all these types of parts and what they could look like that every single part of you yeah. end to end is good. Right. All parts are good. And welcome. That's what they say, right? All parts are welcome. <laughs> yeah. All parts are welcome. All parts are good. And I know that th even me, sometimes I'm like, is that true? <laughs> right. Is that really <laughs> real? Is that really real? But the, but I've, I've been working in this system for over 10 mm -hmm. years and I've never met a part that wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Parts to your point earlier can be in extreme roles, mm -hmm. you know, like this part's role is to protect you from feeling this painful experience sure. and to do it, they're going to make you do this extreme drug over here. Yeah. It's a solution. It, it doesn't mean yeah. harm. It, its behavior causes harm, mm -hmm. but it's actually trying to help you and protect you. And yeah, I mean, it's sort of, if you really look at it, 
a system of part of it is like radical self-acceptance, which I love. Yes. Yeah. When you can look at these painful behaviors and these painful beliefs and hold compassion for them, that's where the transformation happens. And that's where the healing happens here. And I like it working with the system a lot because it allows for that radical self-acceptance and that radical self-compassion that no part of me is bad. I think in some systems of psychology that when there's like a, a negative thought, for example, right. the, the, the goal is to reframe it. But there is a part of you that's actually having that experience. And it can almost be like gaslighting yourself out of an experience sometimes. I'm not saying that's always the case, but it can sometimes be that. It's like, just be happy or good vibes only. Mm -hmm. It's like, but there's, we're not just happy, but there aren't good vibes only. Like all parts. Yeah, they, point, there could welcome. be toxic positivity, you know? Very much so. I'm loving the conversation around toxic positivity yeah. in, the, in the world right totally. now because it is just, it is spiritual bypassing and psychological bypassing just to say, we're not going to look at the darkness. And I think especially with current politics and uh, the world in general, it's like, we need to, we need to look at our darkness compassionately. And that, that comes to like the final structure part of IFS is who is holding compassion for these parts of us. Yeah. So whether you're doing this on your own or you're working with a coach, counselor, or therapist in IFS, there is an aspect of you that is not a part that can hold compassion for everything. And this is called self, capital S, yeah. self in IFS. And it is part of you. There's eight C's that kind of lay it all out. And I can never remember all of them, but we'll see how this goes. It's curious, compassionate, calm, courageous, clear, uh, did I say compassion? Uh, yep. I'm looking, I'm cheating. <laughs> I, I have a little thing. <laughs> you have a creative, 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 so clear, confident, compassion, curious, creative, connected, calm. The thing I have also has accepting. It's not a C intuitive, but yeah, I'm cheating. I'm looking, I'm yeah. looking at a thing I have. Yeah, no, no I, I, I agree with mm. that too. It's a, it's very accepting. I think that leads into some ideas around compassion. Uh, Karina, my, my mentor I mentioned earlier, she throws a ninth C on there called centered, uh -huh. um, which is more of a, a yogic term, but it is like that, the idea of being in your centered self, like yeah. that, that part of you or the aspect of self is at the center of your consciousness. And I, th and you're and I think you know that. it when you see it. You know, sometimes it's like, well, how do I know it's self energy? Yeah. Well, you, you do know what you probably, see it. Cause this is sort of like a map, right? And the map exactly. isn't the territory. And, I, like I said, have used it as an operating system because down the road, I realized, well, I've read so many books and podcasts and I've done therapy and I've coaching and all da, 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 da. And sometimes they don't, the things that you study don't always align. And sometimes they, so to me, this is sort of a way to understand myself. And it's, yeah. it's sort of my map um, of, of my internal system, right? Internal family systems. Yeah. And it's fantastic. And I always, the way I explain it sometimes is we talked about this, um, the movie um, Inside Out, you know, yes. that's a great yes. movie, which I know they use that, you know, sadness, joy, and anger. It's like, picture that. And that's, that's IFS. a great way to see yeah. it. That's, that's, that is IFS, like that movie, like it's used as an example, actually inside of mm -hmm. um, the, there's a organization called the IFS Institute, which who teaches right. IFS to practitioners. 
and clinicians. And they'll cite that movie quite often as a way to help normalize multiplicity and for people to understand it from an uh, element elementary level. Yeah. And I find that even kids get it. You know, people, kids watch Inside Out and they're like, part of me is sad, part of me is joy, part of me is anger, mm -hmm. part of me is fear. Do you ever like have fun naming, you know, your parts? Like I have like, um, uh, like a, like a fuck you part, like my, like my fuck you energy. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's or, or crazy yeah. gym. Like <laughs> it's, I, I actually I think too. it's funny sometimes. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's just crazy gym. <laughs> I tend to, this is, this is me being a bit more clinical, yeah, 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 but yeah. I tend to let the parts name themselves uh -huh. or like a name will spontaneously arise as I'm working with them, whether it's on my own or with a therapist or a coach. And so like, and they, and they take on all different types of forms as well, because they present differently. Sometimes they're abstract objects. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're more feminine or more masculine or mm -hmm. androgynous. Um, I have a part that I so de desperately love named prudence mm. because she's she's a prude ah. the prudish aspect of me and it's and it is a she and hey. um, we know each other very well and i've gotten to know her so well over the years and i notice when she comes in why she's doing that role i hold compassion for her she's so sweet she's so what sweet a prude. and it can be a bitch sometimes. Yeah, she's a bitch. You know? <laughs> but i have compassion for that i understand yeah. why it's coming why this part is coming up and um yeah, at, to, to, to draw a line real quick, because I mentioned Karina a moment ago, I actually I learned IFS initially from her mm -hmm. because back in 2008 and nine, I think, or sometime around a decade and a half ago, she did her master's in East-West psychology, cool. focusing West on IFS. And I've studied with her teachers, Tom Holmes, who's one of the key uh, educators and practitioners in the IFS community. Um, and I, I used it just kind of on my own for a long time. And then maybe like three or four years ago, 2018, I think it was, I was actually on a retreat in Santa Cruz with Alanis Morissette. Nice. Singer. Yeah. Uh, and she wasn't, she wasn't singing or anything. And she was, the, she was the teacher of that retreat. What? Alanis teaches yeah. retreats? She did before COVID and before she had three kids. What was she doing? Like uh, <laughs> what kind of retreat? So um, I'll probably make it a little too basic here, but it was basically like a psychospirituality retreat. Oh, cool. So she talked about IFS. She talked about developmental psychology, um, talked about like working with, you know, feelings like grief and anger. I initially went because I'm a huge fan, but also like I knew what she was talking about. And I'm like, I want to go learn that. Did you see her, the documentary about um, uh, what the album just turned, what, like 25 years Jagged did, did you see, yeah, did you see the documentary about Jagged Little Bill and the aftermath of, you know, how ridiculously huge that was and then her life that they made a whole thing. Where is it on? It might be an HBO, I think. I think it's on it's HBO. Crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 wild that story. It's wild how um, popular what was it like how many millions and millions and millions and millions? I mean she was playing like a club one week and then it was like that song came out and and then like an arena the next yeah. week. It was, it was wild. Absolutely. Yeah, crazy. Getting a shot to the top there. Um, you know, she, after she had, I think her, her second child, um, I don't want to tell her life story or anything, but she had kind of like a lull in, in mm -hmm. 
really promoting music. She was still in the background creating it, but she was definitely more interested in like healing oh, yeah. and psychology and psychotherapy. They, and they so, used to make fun of her on SNL. They say, well, you know what, Alanis, not every journal entry is a song. You know, that used to be, that used to be a thing, <laughs> but I, I love, exactly. I love her. I mean, people of a certain age, but, of course, love her. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, <laughs> Gen Xers and millennials, yeah. we, we absolutely love her so much. And I bring her up because she, she I hadn't thought about IFS in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd been using it kind of helter skelter. And it just going on this retreat with her just reminded me of the power of this work with IFS. And so I it, basically, she cracked my heart open on that retreat. It was only a weekend. And I'm like, I need an IFS therapist. I need to figure out my life. I yeah. was in a corporate job back then. Kind of liked what I did, but I was burning out too much. It wasn't sustainable. And I got a ther- an IFS therapist right away, worked with that person for a while, um, decided I wanted to do the IFS level one training, which is really hard to get into. And I got into it on the first try. So I feel like it was kismet. It was meant to be. And it's intense and wonky. And we're really, I think, watering it down. I mean, it's a really mm-hmm. vast, complex, you know, way of yeah. looking at things. Yeah, I'm definitely talking about IFS in a very um, basic way and mm-hmm. like, an approachable way, yeah. I'd hope. Because um, I read some of those clinical books. I was like, wow, this is, this is the, and it's like, research-based, just it's the real deal. Yes, it's re- research-based. Um, Richard Schwartz, mm-hmm. Dr. Richard Schwartz, um, created it back in the late 80s, um, workshopped it a lot in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's kind of taken off since then. Right now, huge. most most clinicians I know either want to be IFS uh, trained mm-hmm. or are trying to find other ways to learn about it if they can't get into one of these trainings. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really huge. No, I bet. I At first... I've always loved it, but at first I thought it was like a little, it's a little weird at first. And then you just, and it just becomes totally natural. You just start talking about your yeah. parts. What, and, what was some of the awkwardness, not to turn the tables, what was some of the awkwardness I to a therapist and, you know, should we would, we would do these like meditations, let's go inside and, you know, speak for that part. And, and there's some like inner child work and mm-hmm. it was, it's really different. I'm, I'm a talker. Obviously I like to chat and I just wanted to talk. I just wanted to be like, so here's what's going on. And da, 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 da. And that's, she wasn't, no, she was an IFS therapist. Like, that's cool. Like, I'll let you do that. But I really want to kind of speak for your parts and kind of go inside and see what's going on in the system. I mean, we could sit here and we can yuck it up, but you can do that with any therapist. So she was really focused on actually practicing IFS and had to kind of, of course, I'd go inside and I'd just start making jokes. Ah, I see the humor part. Okay. Okay. Cause I'd, say, I'd sort of not, not mock it, but I have a very big humor part and a fuck you part. So they were like rebelling and also sort of making fun of it because it felt a little weird, but you know, now I don't feel that way at all. I think it's super, super valuable. And someone I, I, I knew was going to this particular therapist and he's like oh she does parts work and i was like "Eh, okay i don't really know what that is but it's like go to her yeah he was yeah and i like you i'm a seeker and i was kind of surprised that i hadn't heard of it really before yeah and i think when a lot of people experience it they're like oh yeah i'm never going to any other kind of therapy again like not cognitive behavioral not, not to disparage any of those things that work for people but like for a lot of people i think it's like once you do this you're like yep that's it 
Yeah. I feel like, you know, um, a lot of these systems of therapy have been around for so many decades mm-hmm. and even IFS has been around for a while, yes. but it just takes what's, as you mentioned, research-based, it takes what already existed and it's made it a bit more refined in my personal. Right. It's point. like the truth. It's already there. This is, it feels true. And we're just exactly. proving to you that it's true. Yeah. I, I had a student of mine who's one of my co- uh, coaching students mention that it just makes sense. Makes a lot of like sense. Once you experience it, you're like, it just, it just makes sense. And, and I like uh, that it's super adaptable. It's starting. So I took a IFS coaching class and I think you took the same one. Mm-hmm. And I think they're starting to train coaches that way and um, parts work, hopefully teachers and hopefully they'll go in, not just in the therapy realm, because this is very um, useful. So for, you know, for example, I don't think, obviously if you're a therapist, you're going to treat trauma, depression, anxiety, but perhaps if you're an educator or a coach, we can use parts work, you know, for various other things besides healing dysfunction. You know, I think it can be yeah. so adapted to, to almost anything. Totally. It, it teaches emotional intelligence mm-hmm. on top of many other things. I taught an IFS and yoga retreat back in 2019 before the pandemic started. And one of the women who came was a kindergarten teacher. And I checked in with her afterwards. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think yoga students. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so she mentioned, and I might be paraphrasing that when she went back to school, she had a a child come up to her at some point, kind of in a state of duress. And she asked the child, just like, well, does all of you feel that way? Mm -hmm. I guess he was sad or angry or something. And the kid actually like broke character. He just stopped (laughs) not crying, not upset anymore. And thought about it for a moment. He's like, no, not all of me. Part of me just wants to go back outside and play. Mm -hmm. So like even a child can notice the distinction that not all of them is this one emotion or one of this one part? Yeah, no, I see it in my kids, like the polarization. Like you say, well, part of me really wants to do this, but the other part of me is really scared. And I was like, you can like literally see this child being polarized for whatever activity it is that I'm trying yeah. to get them to do. Um, do you have Alanis's number? Yeah. Could we bring her? Could we bring her in? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. I wish I did. I've gone on two retreats with her, but then then the pandemic. Did you, did you get to interact with her a lot? No, we're not. That. So you were, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So you like really were hanging with her. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was really like nice. The, the second retreat was a bit longer, so fewer people came, mm-hmm. and so we had some a little bit of one on one time. I can't say I'm like best friends with her, mm-hmm. even though I would love to be. Uh, but she she uses this as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that IFS is becoming more popular and sometimes you'll see her in tandem with that because hmm. she, so Richard Schwartz, just the founder of yeah, IFS yeah. just came out with a new book called no bad parts. And Alanis writes the foreword. To I book. did not know that. Yeah. Should I get no bad yeah. parts? I'm reading the somatic IFS book that came out. I don't know, mm. maybe less than a year ago. Yeah, I, I would say to, to people who are curious about IFS, mm-hmm. no bad parts really, breaks it down in terms that are less clinical, mm-hmm. you know, for, for therapists or coaches or counselors, people who, who need to know about the more refined aspects of the, this system, definitely pick up the other books. Mm-hmm. But for people who, who don't need that language or don't know that language, yeah. no bad parts is great. Another the book that got me into it along with Karina is Dr. Tom Holmes mm-hmm. book, uh, Parts work an illustrated guide to the inner system. Uh, yeah. And I love that one because it has pictures. Yeah, I like that. I got the cards I was telling you. Yeah. 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 There's a, a deck of cards. They're almost like tarot cards yeah. that come with 
uh, that you can buy in addition to it by the same illustrator that just are basically just pictures of possible parts. And it's a great way to explore your own system. And I use them clinically sometimes with clients. My, my rabbit hole started with one of the Jay Early books, but uh, he, he's pretty, pretty clinical. He's pretty dense. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just like a fun, like IFS geek out. Like, <laughs> I, I love IFS so much. It, it gets it gets annoying sometimes. Luckily, I have I have friends that I keep around me who understand this language. I've either made them know about IFS or they've done their own research on it because I talk about parts all the time. Like I'm never not right, talking right. about parts. Oh, you could probably, I mean, I think you could probably weaponize it too. Like, oh, you know, like with you know, my wife could be like, oh, that's your dickhead part, maybe. So like, oh, totally. He doesn't. So that's, we, so that's why we have to remember to stay inside right, right, or right. like to bring in that self energy. Um, because it, to your point, it can be, you can use this to bypass me. Like, yeah. oh, my man, like my angry manager part is up. So like, I'm just going to be a dick today. Right. And it's like, right. that's not how this works. That's not how this works. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, beating yourself up for not being in, you know, this self energy. And it's, it's yeah. sort of a paradox, right? Um, mm -hmm. sometimes you're like, I'm not in self. And then you're mad at yourself that this, and it's, um, then you're in another part. Yeah. And then, then you're blended with this other part. So it's tricky. And, <laughs> and it does help to have a coach or a therapist who's trained because it can be really subtle sometimes to see like, are you really? Subtle. Cause I'm hearing this other thing coming through and, um, and it, as, as a, the as learnings, a, I mean, the, it's incredible. Um, totally. As, as a clinician, you know, we, we talk about having a quote unquote parts detector mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's something that you have to build. Um, if you are a, an IFS coach or, or therapist is to really notice when those subtle parts come in. Yeah. And one of the biggest ways to know is like, is there an agenda present? Like self energy does not have an agenda. It just wants to hold compassion. I'm so everything. glad you said that. That's a huge piece that sometimes I forget. Like, Self doesn't have an agenda. Yeah. Self doesn't have an agenda. And so, you know, you're talking about this idea. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm not in self. I'm so mad. Mm -hmm. I'm, not in, I'm not, I haven't been in self. It's like this, there's a part of you that wants you to be in self. Right. That's not, that's self. not. And we, we, we sometimes call those self like parts, mm -hmm. but they still have the agenda that is based off of, yeah. you know, villainizing other parts of you or reacting to the world around you in a way that's less balanced. Or, or maybe achieving. I'm not good enough. I'm not doing it right. Yes. Perfectionist. Perfectionist. Parts. Yeah. I see those in almost every client. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, um, anything we're getting close to the end. So a couple more things. So we have, yeah. you, you have, we have your book, obviously, which is awesome. And, um, you mentioned a couple IFS books. I always like to get, I probably stole this from Tim Ferriss. Like what other, um, <laughs> like, is there any, like, man, this book changed my life. Any couple, anything comes to mind that you come back to over and over? Oh, about IFS. Anything. It could be. Okay. Oh, there's so many books. I, I love reading. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm also read mostly fantasy. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, throw <laughs> out, I'm still throw a nerd. Your favorite I'm still a nerd. Book. My favorite fantasy, I guess, I don't know if this technically counts as fantasy. It might be sci-fi, but Jurassic Park okay. by my, Michael, Michael yeah, Crichton. Yeah, yeah. Like if you, if you even semi love I've movies, heard of it. Like, <laughs> like go, go read it. It's actually fucking fascinating. Nice. I'm not sure if I can say that word. Oh, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. This is... Um, I, I th so... Yeah, that's that's my favorite book 
generally speaking. I, I already mentioned parts work by Tom Holmes that really breaks yeah, down IFS. That one. I'll check them out, Tom Holmes. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's very, very approachable. Yeah. It's one of the most approachable books. Um, the Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Ahrens. Classic. Love it. Yeah. Do, do, do you know that book? Of course. Yeah. I, I, I am an HSP, I believe. <laughs> I believe it. Me too. Yeah. Me too. We're, we're out there. That, yeah. That book helped me with parts work specifically mm -hmm. because, you know, being sensitive and being sensitive, not just emotionally sensitive, but like sensitive to like stimulus totally. is seen as a bad thing in our world. And yeah. it really helped normalize and have compassion for that aspect of me. Especially so, now we don't really reward someone who's like, I am going to not go to that party or I need to take a nap or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last one, I, just, I have a part of me that wants to say this. See, I'm talking yeah. in parts. Um, of course, Karina has her book, mm -hmm. Make a Difference mm -hmm. and Make a Living. Um, okay. So check, check and that, that's more about if you are like a yoga teacher and you want to become a coach and the blending of IFS and yoga together, which is, they pair together so well, so, so well. Um, that'll give you kind of a dual education yeah. on like what is yoga psychology and what is IFS and how do you work with them together? Well, that's that's such a great example of how it can be used and blended and yeah. And that's, and that's actually what our, our coaching training that I mentioned yoga mindset yeah. coaching is based off the teachings of her book, make a difference and make a living. Man, you must have some interesting, uh, days, you know, teaching the corporate people, the yoga that it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's fun. I, I like variety. Mm -hmm. I don't like being locked into one thing. Like mm -hmm. yesterday I taught a yoga class for sing in the morning and then I had a client, then I had a meeting with Karina, then another client and taught a couple meditations. And then I went and taught a yoga class, Dude. went for a walk in there somewhere. <laughs> That's awesome. It's really fun. Yeah. Well, um, thank you. This was Awesome. I've, I've, you were just the right person. I was like, I gotta find an IFS person, but I think it was, they're therapists, but I think it's even cooler to, 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 cause, um, to learn from someone who, who does it in the coaching realm and you're yeah. certified, um, level one, which is really, really intense, as you said, and hard to get into. So, you know, your stuff. So this is the, the real deal here. I, I do. I've been working with it for a while and, um, Love new clients, just throwing it out there. Yeah, and, we gotta get Karina um, on. This was, I feel yeah. like this was part. You know, she was very present in this conversation. Can have you? This is really have an introduction together. to her episode. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and now here's Karina. that guy was cool, but who is this woman? That you know? exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, sir, have a great day. Um, yeah, I don't know. I sometimes I'm like, should we end it here? You know, how long should we talk? I think people don't have the attention span, you know? Um, yeah. I think some people do. Some people don't. I've listened to two hour podcasts. Mm -hmm. I've listened to 13 minute podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know why I'm talking about that. I could get it. I could edit that out, but uh, I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm going to stop. Have a great day and uh, keep in, Thank you so much. keep in touch. So fun to meet you. Definitely right. will. Definitely will. Thank See you. Ya. And there you have it. That was my conversation with Jerry Givens. I definitely encourage you to check him out. Check out IFS if you're not familiar with it. And I hope you enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. And I finally got my IFS episode, which is something I've been uh, wanting to do for a long time. Please, again, consider leaving a review, sharing this, liking, subscribing. Take care. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening again. David Wernch. 
F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach. Reach out. Love to hear from you.